0: Been together since her freshman year in high school were high school sweethearts in a small town north of st. Louis um, the town has less than 2,000 people in it our high school had around a hundred students in all four grades not one class <laughs> so um, the Lord has worked amazing things through us and I was a golf course superintendent after high school and went to college for horticulture never finished Um, We married, went to South Carolina to work on a golf course there, pursue college at Clemson. Yeah, we lost last year, bad thing. Um, But it's still home to us, it's home to our our kids. They still think of South Carolina as home, and our daughter even looked at Clemson University recently over spring break, she's 17, looking to pursue nursing or something in the medical field, athletic training, she's not quite sure. but we're in that time of of looking at colleges and thinking about that we have one more year jennifer and i live in el paso uh, we worked with we've been working with mtw for 10 years now uh, it's kind of hard to believe i just went through leadership assessment something they're doing new at mtw and um, we've been leading the work in juarez for the last uh, three years uh, but we served for three years in acapulco working with street children in an orphanage and and our heart's always been mercy ministry and children and youth. Um, and God has used that now to be the catalyst and, and to plant churches. And within those churches, a DNA to reach out and really love the community. Um, we spread the gospel more with actions and, than words. Uh, we love the community. We put our arms around those that are hurting and those in need, and we are seeing the Lord bless that work. Um, we have been working there in in Juarez. We arrived in the midst of the violence, and that's what everybody thinks of, even to this day when they hear of Juarez. Um, the cartel is still there and vibrant. We don't really see the evidence of that, but we know it's there. Um, but thank the Lord that the violence has dropped. And we hardly ever hear of killings or murders of the cartel activity. Uh, it's safe to be on the streets. You can go out and roam. My wife goes over there at night and goes to women's studies by herself and doesn't come home till eleven o'clock or midnight. And I have concern, but none any more than what she would if she was downtown El Paso coming home. Um, so it is safe, and we praise the Lord in that and. It's evident in the parks and in those areas that families gather at night um, and in the streets when they um, enjoy the taco stands and the music and whatever else, the laughter of the kids playing on the swings and, and playgrounds. So uh, thank you for your many prayers for our family. I know you all have received our newsletters and have um, uh, been in contact with us for the last several years. and. We covet those prayers. We covet those prayers more, and we need those prayers more than we need any financial support or any other support. Um, But the reality is, we do need financial support, just as Brittany. And uh, a word of encouragement sometimes the the funnest times, the hardest times is raising support, but yet some of your treasured times is meeting the people that you go out in the churches and all the people that you meet as you raise support. It's unbelievable how many people we have and known over the years as we raise support, and it's been a huge blessing to do that. So be encouraged with that. Um, We're going to look at Psalms 117. Um, It's not only the shortest psalm, or the shortest, well, it's the shortest psalm, but it's also the shortest verse in the Bible. It's right dab in the middle of the Bible. It's probably was once part of a larger psalm and it was um, thought to have been used such as the doxology uh, in the ancient times that it was read before or after services it was a exhortation it was also a very important psalm paul quoted it in romans and we'll take a look at that in a second But it was in a very particular important time in early church history uh, as it was a call to the Jewish community um, to accept the Gentiles and the others that were outside outside the community as we would know it. It is small but is full of many truths, and I hope we uh, see that today in in the reading of it. As we look at the psalm, I want you to look and see that it's an exhortation to the entire world. It's an exhortation to all nations, to all peoples, and a call to all peoples. And secondly, it's a call to all people and all nations to experience God, to experience His love, to experience uh, His mercy and faithfulness. And third, I want you to see that it's part of God's plan that He calls all of us to be a part of that plan and that we are to make a call and to witness to the world. So hopefully we'll see all those three things in, in, uh, as we read the psalm. Uh, go to prayer to our Heavenly Father. Lord, we just ask that You um, give us an open heart and an open heart ears to hear and open mind to understand your word. We thank you, Lord, for this psalm. We thank you for, um, for those that have served you and, and continue to serve you well. Lord, we ask that you be with uh, your servant here as I bring the word and, and give me the words um, that you want to express, Lord, and, and to give us wisdom in that. And we ask that you give us a passion For your call. We ask this in Jesus' name. Psalm 117 Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now we see throughout the Bible and throughout history and throughout the Old Testament, that Israel had a call. Even though they were the chosen people, they still had a call to be a light to the nations. They had a call to be a witness to the Gentiles, to those outside that were not considered the chosen people, that were not Israelites. The writer here even uses the Hebrew phrase in the original text for all peoples, kol goyim, which actually means all peoples, but it also is a a reference to the heathen, the low of the low, to everyone. Uh, You see, the Israelites outside of that really became, if you weren't Israelite, you were heathen, you weren't weren't very good. and in Isaiah 42 six through seven, we also saw it in Isaiah 49 when it says, "A light to the nations." We see it in Isaiah 42 six through seven that they had a particular call to witness and to um, to the to the other people. 42 six through seven. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for all nations, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison, those who sit in darkness. You see, Israel had a call to be a witness to all peoples. And just like the Israelites had a call to all peoples, we, the church, have a call to all peoples today. This verse extends to us. But also, as the Israelites failed, we are failing. We are failing to be a a light and a witness to those outside the church. We have a call to open the eyes of the blind. We are to witness to those who are enslaved in sin and slavery, to share with them and be a witness with the gospel. In these verses, Isaiah was using a singular use of the the word you in Hebrew three times. It says God wants you to be a light to your neighbors. God wants you to be a light to Tucson. And He wants you to be a light to the border. Do you neighbors know without a doubt that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? that you are a Christian? Do those down the street or at work, in your workplace, do they know without a doubt that you're a Christian? That God is a priority in your life? The Israelites were called to be the first sharers of the gospel. God's call now for us is to be a witness and share the good news with all peoples. This psalm is an exhortation, a call to praise the Lord, a command to praise the only true God. But it's also a missionary call. It's a call to share the good news and the love and the faithfulness of our God. Legan Duncan calls it a call to world missions. That this is a verse that calls us to world missions and we cannot deny that call. Matthew 28 confirms it as well. We know that verse. We know it's the Great Commission and it's not just for the church as as a whole or for the pastors but it's individually. It's a call for each one of us to be a part of that. Last week, I was in Mazatlan, um, visiting, and we were going through visiting with a bunch of pastors that I carried down in our ministry van to Presbytery, 16 hours. Uh, Imagine going to all the Presbytery meetings at 16 hours away, but um, it's a hall. we got to Mazatlan, of course, it's on the beach. Uh, It's known as one of the first places they captured Chapo Guzman, of all places, but it's it's a beach town. It's a tourist town. It's very it's small. It's very nice. Um, we lived in Acapulco, and it was very different. The culture was different, but yet it still was a tourist town. But their main economy was not shrimp, or was not tourist. It's shrimping. And as we visited the church there, and the the elder took us around that morning to for a tour, he took us by the by the port, and we saw the shrimping boats, and. You could see people working on the boats, but you knew that there were many more people there. And you know, all boats have a captain, have a second hand, they've got deck hands, there's people down in the engine room, there's people fixing meals, just cooks, they don't do anything else but prepare food. But there's also people tending the nets. You see, each one of these people, each of these individual people are part of a team, they're part of the boat but they're also part of a mission. They're part of a mission to fill the nets and bring back a full cargo back to the bay in order to have economic success, in order to feed their families. See, we're much like that. We're all each individually equipped. We each have different areas of, um, that we feel like we can be a part of and we have individual calls in, within the church to be a witness. But we all have one mission, and that is to be a witness and to be a call and to draw people and to share the gospel so that we can fill the churches. But more importantly, that they accept Christ and know that Christ is the only Savior that we have. We each have a renewed role in God's plan and saving Many souls from the depths with the gospel. The gospel is what saves. It's not our words. It's not our actions. But it's within those actions that God blesses and uses the Spirit to move and to save and to open the eyes of the blind. And we have to be active in that. Who do we seek out intentionally with the gospel? Do we seek out our next door neighbor? Or are we afraid of what they might think? Are we intentionally seeking those out of a different economic class or a race or even those we know who are not living a moral, correct life? Those that are living together, unwed, homosexuals, you name it. We have a culture that's full of things that we know are not correct. But are we intentionally seeking those out, those people out with the gospel? Do we have a passion for them? We must not be exclusive in who we share the gospel with or who we allow in our circles. Paul spoke about this in Romans fifteen through seven, seven through eleven. Paul, this is where Paul quoted this psalm. Therefore, welcome one another, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. So it's a call to the Gentiles. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it is said, rejoice, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. That's Psalm 117. Paul was very clear that we are not that we are to receive one another as Christ received us. Where were you when God seeked you? Were you seeking him? I wasn't. I was in high school seeking what I wanted to seek. I wanted to make my parents happy so I went to church, but I wasn't listening. I wasn't seeking what the Lord was telling me at that time. But I had friends that the Lord placed in my life. I had my wife, as we started dating, pressing me with questions and was a witness in her character. Her father was a witness to me and lovingly asked me questions that penetrated on what my thoughts and what my ideas were. God seeked me out. He sought me out when I was not seeking Him out and I was not following and I was the low of the low. Who was... Who did God put in your life when He sought you out? Who did He use to witness? And how did He witness to you in your time before you knew and had the assurity of your salvation? Did He use a friend, a spouse, coworker, Or was it a chance meeting somewhere? I know that if someone didn't share the Gospel with me or you, we would still be enslaved. I know that I would still be in the condition of spiritual death and would not have the hope of God's mercy. But I'm thankful that He pursued me and put those right people in my life. See, we deserve none of God's grace. We don't deserve anything that He's has poured out on us. But that's the gospel message that we need to be sharing with others and have the passion to share with others. Because the love, of the, of the love given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is deserving of none of the pain and suffering that He bore, the pain and suffering that we deserve for the sins that we commit, He took that upon Himself. He took that suffering. He took that shame and poured out His life for us so that we can have this assurity. That's the joy. And that's the gospel that we need to be sharing with others and being a witness to others. We must be reminded daily of our brokenness. You know, if we really think about it, we're worse off than we ever thought or ever dared to imagine. I read somewhere that said you wouldn't be surprised at your sin if you didn't have such a high view of yourself. I know that's that's me. I'm too prideful. I get to thinking and wanting, you know, it says to boast in the gospel, but not in the way that I boast. You know we're supposed to be boastful in the gospel for what the gospel is, but not who we are because of it. We we can use that and praise the God and use that and know that you know we have the assurance, but we're not to say we're better than the other one. We're not to say we're better than those that don't have the gospel, those sinners over there. So we need to seek a renewed spirit. We need to pray for renewal. Give up to ourselves. Give up to this pride. Give up to the gospel to get rid of our pride. A renewed passion. Do you remember when you first came to Christ and understood what that meant for you? What the gospel meant for you? Do we have that passion today? We need to seek that passion. And once that happens, we can have great joy in the freedom that we have in Christ. This is not a renewed salvation, but a renewed passion for our salvation. Then we can love and serve others with great joy. When we have that passion and we reach out to others, it's going to be so effective because they see the joy that we have in it as we're reaching out and, use, and helping them. In Psalm 51, 12, 13, it speaks of this. The psalmist says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. Then I will teach your transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. See, we have to have that passion renewed before we can bring sinners back to us or back to to Christ. If we don't have the passion, what motivates them to feel like they need to seek what we're seeking? When we take a look at Psalm 117 where it says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples. We see in order to answer this call and for nations to worship God, we must tell them. (coughs) Excuse me. It's a requirement for worldwide missions. For nations to extol and praise the one true and living God, they must be told. We must take the message that they are to praise the one and true God. This is not a popular message today. It's controversial. It's actually offensive. But when we rejoice and are glad and and naturally and spontaneously don't we praise the things that we love the most that are closest and dearest to us? our St. Louis Cardinals Diamondbacks okay <laughs> our children our pets our favorite sports team whatever it is do we not rejoice and praise them and praise out loud and you see Praising is not just a thing that we just give thanks to God, but it's actually a thing that completes our joy. It completes our joy in whatever we're experiencing. Praising is a completion of that joy. The psalmist here is saying that I want everyone to praise the one and true God. Not because He won't be complete. Not because God won't be complete until we praise Him. But because they won't be complete until they praise them. They won't know the true joy until the praise until they praise the one who is more valuable than anyone else. They're missing out. Those that don't know Christ are missing out. And that should bother us. That's world missions to have a passion for others to know of God's true love. We must tell them about Him. We as Christians have the privilege in resting in God's great steadfast love and faithfulness. We've got a great comfort in our God. In verse 2, says, For great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. People must experience His love before they praise Him. But they need to experience His love before they know who He is, before they accept Him as their Savior. They have to be told and they have to experience. And part of that experience is our witnessing to them. There's two things we need to take caution in. One is that we get too busy and don't remind ourselves daily of what, who God is for us, of our salvation, of God's faithfulness. We need to keep a renewed passion for God's calling. Something I haven't learned very well from my wife over these 20-some-odd years is doing that every morning before her feet hits the ground. You see, my wife normally doesn't get out of bed until she prays and praises our Heavenly Father. My, my wife deals with chronic pain and has for over 20 years from a car accident. And, but yet, everybody sees her in the ministry and sees her out. She's always got a smile on her face no matter how much and how, you know, the doctor's always asking her one to 10, what's your pain level? Um, I rarely hear it below a six or a seven. But yet, she's always smiling and everybody's asking her, I know what it is. It's because she understands who she is in Christ. God's compassions are new to us every morning. Lamentations 3 reminds that of us, to us. And it also reminds us that we need to be renewed in that each morning. So that when we go to work, we're that witness and people want to know why we're so joyful amongst all the stuff in the world. We need to remain, to maintain a renewed spirit. But secondly, we need to take heed in this pridefulness. Do we ourselves catch ourselves? thinking lowly of those around us that don't have Christ or who aren't in the church, Muslims or those people that we know that are not living in a way the culture has accepted but we know is wrong. It breaks God's heart when we boast in this privilege as if we're even slightly better than they are instead of having a compassion and sadness that they don't have the assurance that we have. God is clear that He resists the proud. A proud church is a weak church. If we seek what culture tells us to seek, we lose out on God's blessings. We become like the Pharisees. The day we lose focus on telling the world about God's redemptive plan is the day it becomes the beginning to the end. But not for the gospel for God. God's going to accomplish this with or without us. God's going to accomplish this plan. You see, we don't have to be a part of this plan. He can do things without us. But we'll miss out on the blessings and the opportunities and the joy that comes along with being a part of this plan. Brittany was talking about sharing the gospel and how hard it was, but yet having the joy that you spoke with those couple people, it wants you to do it more, does it not? And that's the joy that we need to understand, is that we work hard and and get over those excuses why we're not sharing with those outside of, and sharing with our neighbors. Because once you do, you'll see the joy that you get from that. And that's what God wants us to be joyful in. To be joyful in Him and with Him that another one is saved. If we, resta- if we stayed renewed in the Spirit and in passion for God's kingdom, we will seek out our family, our neighbor, our city, the border, y el mundo, the world. When we start thinking about reaching our city, it kind of gets overwhelming. How do we start? It's so big. That's a lot of our stumbling block, is how do we start? We start thinking of this large mission, and we've got a large mission. The church has got a huge mission. The plan of God's is huge, but He can accomplish everything. But let's stay focused. We each have an opportunity to witness to those people around us. You see, the culture is really changing. and It's hard to witness just walking up to somebody in, in public or knocking on doors. I understand that. It's very hard. People are very closed. Um, but if we seek out just a few people, two or three, and invest our time in them, we can be a strong witness and we can actually be deeper and affect their lives in a much deeper way, in a stronger way, that they have a deeper faith. And then in turn, continue to train them and equip them to do the same, to share to others, and so on and so on. And that would be multiplication. In our life-on-life ministry, it talks about think big. God's mission is huge, but start small. So keep the big mission in mind, but focus right there at the open opportunities you have. And then go deep. Invest deeply in those around you. The church needs to be equipping us on how to share the gospel, giving us those tools in the toolbox. But all the work is not for the experts, missionaries, pastors, chaplains, even the elders. It's for all of us. And we need to be seeking and wanting to be equipped so that we can do that. So that we can share to others. You know, and not all of us are called to go to the ends of the earth. But we have opportunities right here in Tucson, right in your neighborhoods. But there's another thing. These days, God's is bringing the world to us. We have immigrants. Illegal and illegal. That's another topic. But they're all God's children. They all need the gospel. Politics these days is getting really (laughs) messy with immigrants and all this. And it's hard to get caught up and affect your view of what an immigrant and who you should be witnessing to. But to remember them as God's children... I have my political views as well, but first of all, they're God's children and that's where I need to be focused on. We must keep attentive in our daily lives. God is opening doors all the time. We're not seeing them because we're not looking. We've gotten too busy. But if we stay attentive and recognize those opportunities, I don't know, maybe some of you are can pick up and start a uh, conversation just like that. I know my wife can. And my kids hate it. (laughs) Go into Walmart and, you know, lines in Walmart are horrible. You know, they got 26 to 30 some odd lines, but they only have five tellers. I mean, but my wife can sit there and conversate with with anyone. And my kids can't stand it. They're always complaining. They don't want to go to the store with her. Especially my son, he's gone now, but he always complained. But those were opportunities to share the Gospel. Those are everyday acquaintances. At work, the same thing. Look for those opportunities. Don't be upfront about it. People really close off as soon as you, hey, do you know about you know the Gospel? Or do you know where you're going to be at when you die? I mean, those are things these days, just doesn't work. But just witnessing and being there and allowing them to see that you're a child of God and that you have that assurance. They're seeking that assurance too. We're all seeking something and we all know it's the gospel, they just don't know it yet. Our culture is actually craving relationships. Even though we don't think it's face-to-face anymore, they're actually seeking face-to-face conversations. I know it's not evident if you go into a room of teens, they're talking to each other, but through the cell phone across the room. But people really are craving relationships. Just inviting over for a barbecue, your neighbor, or having a neighbor, neighborhood barbecue or a get-together. Just anything to open up opportunities to, to break those barriers down to get to know each other. Resting in God's faithfulness that if He calls us to do something, He'll be there supporting, encouraging, and providing for us, and that we can lean on Him at all times. We're called to do this. He's not going to leave us. He's always there supporting and caring and encouraging us through His Spirit. God's faithfulness is unshakable. Why do we worry about our image or what people think of us? Why do we hesitate to obey God? Jesus is the perfect model. He took all the shame. He was shamed for us and died for us. And He was put to death for our sake so that we could have this assurance that we need to be telling everyone. Even the disciples ran in shame. But they came back and they took up the cross and the church grew from their witness. We need to take up the cross in our daily lives and rest upon God's faithfulness and truth. And in times you don't think you can do it. I heard a quote about William Van Horn who was um, a guy contracted by the Canadian government to see the plans of the Canadian Railroad get across Canada. And when they come to the mountains and that, the workers keep coming to him every day. And just excuses about these obstacles ahead and all this. And he just finally just comes and said, come on, get on with it. That's the attitude we need to have today. is to oversee those obstacles and know that God's going to provide and just get on with it. We need a passion for this plan and know that we're part of this plan, that this was God's plan from eternity. We need a passion for God's worldwide mission. And we need a passion to be a world witness. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples. For great is His love toward us, And faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen.